0: Terrence Zikoriak. I have the great privilege, it is a great privilege, and an opportunity to serve as a pastor here at Landmark. I'm so excited uh, about what happened this year and what's what's going to happen in the, the years to come. And I want to continue in our study of the book of Proverbs. Um, and, and if you know me, you know I'm consistent, right? I've been doing a radio show for it's, this is my 28th year of doing a radio show. Nobody listens, but I'm still there doing a radio show. Uh, I've been running This One Voice for 14 years. I'm a consistent person. Uh, and, so, and, and so I have to ask you, who is reading a proverb a day? I give you that challenge, right? Okay, we've got some people who, but I wanna, I wanna challenge you for this year, right? It, it, there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. You start tomorrow. On chapter one, you get to the end of the month, you go back to one again. If you miss a day, it's all right. Just go to the next day. Today's the 31st. It's the it's proverb of the good woman, right? The, the good mother. So, so take a chance. It's a, it's a great discipline for 2024. And as, as we are a Bible reading church, a Bible studying church, focus on Proverbs. Uh, we receive such great Moral direction that's needed in our lives to live our lives successfully. Uh, Solomon wrote it 2,900 years ago; it still stands. Um, The wisdom that he has received from God, and the things that he teaches us, that just make life work. It's not boundaries. It's it's this. This is how life works. You know, it's like with your car. Your car works. Maybe electricity, but your car works with. You gotta fill it up and you can't fill it up with orange juice. You gotta fill it up with what makes it work. Solomon teaches us in Proverbs how to live humbly before God and other people. He teaches us how to, be grac- how to be a gracious guest, right? Don't stay too long. You ever have people who stay too long? You're like, are you kidding me? I mean, do I have to set the house on fire to get you out? Let's, I don't know who to stab, you or me. It's time for you to go. Uh, you know, that, and it comes to that, and you made me say that. So Solomon teaches us don't stay too long. Um, he teaches us how to be a good neighbor. He teaches us how to manage anger, right? The, 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 a soft answer turns away wrath. That actually, if you read Dr. Daniel Amon's books, the psychologist, he a psychiatrist, he tells you. If you're able, you can quell anger by being the calm person. So Solomon teaches us that. And he teaches us how to handle fools in our lives. That's something you really got to, a lot of fools out there. Well, there's only a couple of fools, right? But they move around a lot. So you run into them from time to time. And, and, and the one thing, the main thing that Solomon encourages us is to pursue wisdom. With all your might, pursue wisdom And he tells us the ultimate act of wisdom is to have an awe for the majesty of God and a high regard for his word. In the book of Hebrews, the writer says, therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let's show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God, is a consuming fire, serving God with reverence and awe. It is the foundation of all wisdom and the source of any diligence we'll have in our lives. Just this long obedience in a single direction. There's a great book I'm reading right now. It's called The Awe of God. It's written by John Bevere. And um, I don't know much about John Be- Bevere, but I know this is a great book. And, and he talks about what it means to have awe for God. And he takes this this section, this passage in Hebrews, and he defines reverence and awe in the Greek meaning. And he says, the reverence means a profound, adoring, awed respect. Wow. The Hebrews tells us to serve God with a profound, adoring, awe and respect. Profound meaning very deeply respecting and having awe for God. So what does reverence mean for you? Where can you show more reverence for God in your life? In your study of his word? Do you read God's word and say, you know what? He ain't bluffing. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. If he says he's going to bless me, he's going to bless me. If he says he's going to curse me, he's going to curse me. If he says this is going to happen, it's going to happen. Do you approach God's word with that reverence? Do you have that reverence in your praise? When we're singing the songs for God, are you just saying the words? Or are you feeling the words? Are you singing them to God? And are you showing more reverence in how you're a husband and wife and how you're a parent? God calls us to certain jobs in that. The second word that John Bevere says is all. It means godly fear. Fear or dread inspired by something great and terrific. That's like you can have a fear or a dread of the ocean, right? If you don't have a fear or a dread of the ocean, you're going to drown. You're going to be dead in the ocean, right? I have a fear and the dread of the ocean. My wife is a surfer. She's trying to get me to surf. And I'm, I'm, I'm not all that afraid of surf. I don't know what's under me. You know what I mean? So I have that fear and that dread. It's not the ocean, but also what's in it. You have that same awe of God's word. It's a healthy respect. In his song, Do You Tremble, West King. Has anybody ever heard this song, Do You Tremble, by West King? The chorus goes, the wise will hear him and obey his word. Long and blessed will be their days upon the earth. The fool will perish in the folly of his ways. Do you tremble at the word of God? With the aura of God as a foundation for living, it's a life governed by godly wisdom. One of the more recurring themes in the book of Proverbs, Solomon tells us over and over again, so it must be important, it's to develop diligence. So that's the message for 2024, develop diligence. This is the word for 2024, diligence. Say it, diligence. diligence. That's not very diligent. Say it again, Diligence. There it is. There it is. How many of you remember your resolutions for 2023? Nobody. Okay, just like the resolutions went by the way. Uh, so you, you forget. I don't even remember what I resolved to do. And look, that's, that's common, right? We quickly abandon our resolutions. It's common. As a matter of fact, studies show that less than 10% of people keep their resolutions and those, that 10%'s lying, right? In fact, by the beginning of February, most people have abandoned their resolutions for the year. But making a resolution is vastly different than pursuing diligence. Because when you pursue diligence, you're committing to becoming something different, not doing something different. You see, diligence is an inside job, it works from the inside out. And that's what Solomon's telling us, to take on a new character. In Proverbs 12, 27, Solomon says, a lazy person does not roast his prey, but the precious possession of a person is diligence. Precious possession of a person is diligence. You see, the lazy person, Solomon says, starts out, but doesn't finish. He takes the time to hunt. He takes the time to gather. But he doesn't cook it. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells us about this kind of person. He says, for which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation, he's not able to finish. All who watch it. We'll begin to ridicule him, saying, this person began to build and then was not able to finish. You know, we all have unfinished towers in our lives, don't we? I mean, you, we all know them. resolutions that we've made. Right now, oh, this year, I'm gonna reconnect with my family. Problem is, my family doesn't answer the phone when I call. We're gonna reconnect with some of our old friends. We're gonna travel more, right? I'm gonna write my second book. We're gonna become debt-free this year. We're gonna run a marathon. And they all end up to be unfinished towers, abandoned resolutions. We We can teach you, really, in the care team, we can teach you how to set goals and how to achieve goals. And look what Solomon says. Diligence is a precious possession. Bruce Walkie, he's a Hebrew scholar in his commentary on the book of Proverbs. He says the word word diligent that that Solomon uses is the Hebrew word harusim. And he defines it as, and this is an amazing definition of a person who, who is a diligent person. It's someone who demonstrates constancy of purpose. It is someone who is attentive and industrious. And as someone who is, in, is persistent in an effort to accomplish something. So let me look at, let's look at those three definitions, right? Constancy of Purses. is answers the call of three critical questions. The first one is, why are you here? The second one is, where is God taking you? And the third one is, how are you going to get there? To be very clear on your purpose, why are you here? The Japanese have this concept called ikigai. And it's, and it's just this, this practice that you use to find your purpose in life. What is my purpose in life? And it's the intersection of four circles that the Japanese say. So the first one is, what are you passionate about? The second is, what can you be a master at? What can you be the best in the world at? Now, look, you can be passionate about buggy whips. Everybody know what a buggy whip is? You used to have a, yes, a buggy. And, And you can be the best at building bogey whips. But the third thing is, does the world need it? We don't need bogey whips. Thank you. You're the best in the world, but we don't need it. And the fourth one is, what will the world reward you for? What can you be the best at? What are you passionate about? What does the world need? And what will the world reward you for? That's God's purpose for your life. The second question is, where is God taking you? When we partner with God in this journey, Where is he going to take us? How do we partner with him in his word? How do we partner in him in surrendering to his will and spending our time with God? How is he moving us from A to B? And the third question is, how's he going to get you there? What gifts do you have? How do you hone them? How do you get them better? And that works with coaching. I have a coach. I have a coach and I meet with them every couple of weeks. And we go over my goals and what am I doing? I'm accountable to them. And then who can help you? Who is in your life can help you achieve these goals? That is constancy of purpose, knowing who you are and where you're going. The second one, the second part of the description of diligence is attentive and industrious. Being somebody who's attentive to detail and quality. So my cardiac surgeon, when I had cardiac surgery last year, um, he ha- he had this bandage. He's very attentive to deep That's the guy you want, right? That's a, you don't want the guy that says, eh, that's good enough. You want the guy who finishes up, right? And he had this bandage on me that had, I don't know, it, it, drew, it drew the moisture away from the wound. And the nurse said, okay, you don't need this. Uh, we'll send you home without this. And the doctor came in to check me before I walked out. And he said, Where, where's the... I said, I don't know. She took it off. So she came back and she said... You know, he's so neurotic with the details. You don't need this anymore. That's the guy I want with my heart in his hand. That's the guy I want, that guy who's attentive to details. That's what a diligent person is. They're attentive and they're industrious. And lastly, Wolke says, a diligent soul is persistent. Committing to do something or to try something, even though it's difficult, when the inclination in your heart is to stop. Ever do that? You ever stop too soon? I wanted, early on, I wanted to quit playing the guitar. Some people will say, well, you should have heard that. Uh, But it was, it's hard to play the guitar at first. It's it's difficult, you know, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna do this. But those who are persistent, they finish, they learn. I'm glad that the doctor who opened my heart was persistent in learning and getting better and better. Constancy of purpose. Attentive and industrious and persistence. That's the timber of a diligent person. And timber is is the quality, the color, and the tone of a musical note. It's the essence of who a person is. You ever hear people tuning up their instruments, they're looking for the right timber. And this is how we must approach our lives. Because the flood of the world is constantly coming in, aren't they? Isn't it? You should quit. You shouldn't do that. You don't have to go to church. But this is how life works best. Stephen Scott, in his book, The Richest Man Who Ever Lived, is a book about Solomon in the book of Proverbs. He says, being truly diligent. Solomon tells us brings us priceless rewards while lack of diligence can produce devastating consequences. Lack of diligence will bring devastating consequences. Look at our society with a lack of diligence. And Solomon says that diligence is a precious possession. It is rare it is very valuable and the person with diligence is wealthy indeed. What would you consider a precious possession in your life? Other than, you know, you, I, I hope you would say your wife and your kids, but maybe you wouldn't. But other than a precious possession, if my house was on fire, what would I grab? I'd make sure my wife was out first and I would get my Bible. I have a Bible that I have since 1977. There's so, so much of me. In that Bible. It's falling apart, which is so much of me. Um, and, 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 but, but, and I don't bring it because it's falling apart, but it is a precious possession to me. It's so precious. My kids came over one time and said, do you still have that Bible? Can we see it? Because they used to see me reading it. So I would grab that Bible. I haven't told my cat that I wouldn't grab him, but uh, <laughs> you're on your own, buddy. <laughs> I got my Bible. A precious possession is something that is very rare and valuable, and the person with diligence has that wealth. Now, there are seven clear advantages to living a diligent life. I'm going to go over three this morning. I'll tell you the seven, but I'm going to go over three, and I'm going to finish next week with the last four. So you need to have the diligence to come back next week to hear the rest of the message. The first one is that diligence provides us a sure advantage. It gives us a measure of control of our lives. It provides true fulfillment. It will bring respect and admiration to you and your family. It will satisfy your deepest needs. It will allow you to prosper in all things, and it will make your efforts profitable. Like I said, I'm gonna go over the first three this week and the last four next week. So number one, diligence provides a sure advantage. Proverbs 21, it says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage. So I'm going to ask you to join the 5 a.m. club this year. Uh, The 5 a.m. club, I read this book, the 5 a.m. club, and it means waking up at 5 a.m. It means having the diligence to consistently wake up earlier than most people, having what's called blind over mattress it creates this gigantic competitive advantage in your life. People say, well, why will you wake up at 5 a.m.? Why do you wake up so early? Listen, if you had the plans I had, you'd wake up early. That's right. (laughs) If you could see where God was taking me, you'd wake up early too. If you get up early, you'll see where I'm going too. Where's God going to take you this year? Join the 5 a.m. club this this year. It's those quiet hours, right? When when God is developing us. It's not in the big moments where God develops us. It's in those quiet moments in the morning. First thing I do every morning before I get out of bed, even before I get my coffee, is I practice gratitude. Three things I'm grateful for. And you know what? Scientists have shown that it affects us body, soul, and spirit. It's a game changer, gratitude. It gives me clarity and advantage. I pray over my day and I praise God. I spend a little bit of time in praise of God. And the book of, you know, the book of Psalms says that, that God is enthroned on the praises of his people. I want God enthroned in my morning. First thing. And one thing I've learned, that there's a ton of competition at ordinary, but almost none at extraordinary. And you wake up in the morning with gratitude. You wake up in your morning praying over your, uh, over, your, uh, over your schedule, and you praise God first thing. That makes you extraordinary. Who wants to live an extraordinary life this year in 2024? Not everybody raises their hands. That's extra- that, now That's extraordinary. Somebody who doesn't want to be extraordinary. Character has always grown in secret when no one else is watching. I've shared with you the the story about the caterpillar and the cocoon, right? That the metamorphosis for the caterpillar is a process of death and emergence. It's not just a morphing. It's really quite a violent change. There are these cells in the caterpillar called the imaginal cells. And the imaginal cells are the only cells inside of a caterpillar, caterpillar that understand the future. But the caterpillar will turn into a butterfly. And there is this violent struggle between the, the, the imaginal cells and the immune system, the, the, the new being birthed, but the old holding on until eventually the new overtakes the old. And you got a butterfly. That's a sure advantage. That God wants to make you into a butterfly, don't go dressed up as butterflies next week, okay? Because that's extraordinary. (laughs) The second thing is that diligence gives us control of our lives. Solomon says, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the slack hand will be put to forced labor. There's an old saying that people who know how People who know how will always have a a job, people who know how, but people who know why will always be their bosses. There are people who allow circumstances to rule them and they are not in control. They are what Solomon calls the slack hand. They allow circumstances to rule their relationship with God. They allow circumstances to govern the health of their relationships and their marriages and with their children. And they allow circumstances to govern and regulate their emotions, and they become slaves to the circumstances. But here's what we talk about in this one voice, which is a ministry that I've been running for 14 years. We can choose to react or we can choose to direct. We cannot change our circumstances, but we choose to react or we can choose to direct and direct always works best. That's when we gain control, when we surrender. That's the paradox of it. In diligence, we surrender our circumstances to God. Titus says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. The diligence of surrender grace God, to God's grace strengthens our self-control. And third, diligence provides true fulfillment. Solomon says, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. I love that word sluggard. Don't you love that? You're not lazy, you're a sluggard. Uh, and, and most people would not know what you're saying. That's, that's the great thing about it. What's a sluggard The sluggard desires knowledge. It doesn't want to open a book. The diligent person will read, will seek knowledge anywhere they can. Transform your car from a discotheque with music to a university. Listen to podcasts, listen to books, listen to sermons. That's what the diligent person sa- does. The slugger desires to be financially independent, but they don't wanna work or save, so they buy lottery tickets. Dave Ramsey says, lottery tickets are for foolish people who can't do math. The diligent create the ability to live from the income of their personal resources. They are diligent to work, they are diligent to save. How many people wanna be champions But they don't want to put in the work. Pat Riley says, you know, everybody in the NBA, they they want to stand on the podium and and be a champion, but they don't want to do the work, so they really don't want to be a champion. Anybody here know Usain Bolt? Fastest man in the world, right? Usain Bolt. He trains four years relentlessly for 10 seconds of work. is that incredible? That's diligence. If we look at the uh, at the results of his Olympic race, we see that the difference between number one and number five is three-tenths of a second. You're kidding me? You see, the other guys, they trained too, but not as much as him. And that's the difference between a, train, a, a champion and an also-ran, 0.35 of a second. You don't even medal. And you're still Richard Thompson, his number five, and he's still one of the fastest guys in the world. But he didn't get a medal, and you don't know his name. Well, now you know his name. Solomon says the diligent will have a fat soul. They will be satisfied, overflowing with joy and appreciation. Does that describe you? Are you overflowing with joy and appreciation? Because you know what? It's, it's, it's pretty hard to, to, to knock somebody off who's overflowed with joy and appreciation. They stay on course. It has nothing to do with how much you have. It has to do with who you are. Every farmer knows he's gotta work from dusk to dawn to enjoy a good harvest. Laziness may be easy, but it doesn't produce anything. Anybody here have gardens? Everybody have gardens? You have to do the work in time, right? There's no cramming on a farm. Remember you used to cram for tests? Remember you have that dream? Anybody ever have that dream? You show up the last day of school and and there's a test, you don't remember the classes, right? I've had that dream and I'm in my underwear. So it's like, this is really not gonna work out today. You have to study. You have to be prepared. God has called us to diligence from the get-go. From the get-go, look at Genesis 2. He says to Adam, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and keep it. Right from the get-go, God called us to work and to keep the garden. It's just how life works. God could have just made it, hey, you know, hey, here's a harvest. But you didn't. He gave us ownership in it. Diligent people are prepared when the opportunity comes and God calls us to work and keep the garden. Tom Brady was the backup for Drew Bledsoe when he was on the Patriots. When he first started on the Patriots, and, and listen, he was not gonna play. Drew Bledsoe was the starter. He was not gonna beat out Drew Bledsoe, but he prepared. He prepared every single week, he prepared. And then in week three of 2001, when they were playing against the Jets, and Mo Lewis, the linebacker for the Jets, smashes Bledsoe and knocks him out of the game, and Tom, Bledsoe, Tom Brady comes in, and he's ready because he stood ready every single week. And you know the story from there. You don't know when God is going to call you, but here's the thing you must be prepared. There are people who complain, hey, you know what? It never works out for me. Maybe it was designed not to work out for you. I don't know. Maybe you know, you're not prepared. That's why it's not working out for you. So I want to leave you with these three questions for the year, for 2024. Number one, have you found that one thing? Have you found that one thing that God has uniquely created you for? Because God's created each one of us uniquely for the only thing that we can do to shine forth his glory and to serve his kingdom. Have you found that one thing? The second question, has you spent any time in 2023 searching for that one thing? If the answer to both of those questions is no, you can turn it around in 2024. And we can help you find that. So if you found that one thing that God has uniquely created you for, what are you doing to develop it and use it? You see, I was telling Lainey one day, God has prepared me 40 years for what I'm doing today. I didn't know it all those 40 years, but I was diligent during that time. I was reading, I was studying, I was allowing God to develop me. And all the time I was working in the garden, I was keeping the garden, and I get to see the harvest now, which is amazing. You see, the precious possession of a man is diligence. I can tell you how precious that is. I can tell you now how precious that is. Before we close, we'll ask the care team, those who are prayer warriors to come up in front. There are prayer warriors in the foyer afterwards. Find somebody in the care team if you wanna pray. I wanna pray with you from Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. If you bow your heads and pray this for you for this year, I pray that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner self, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled all the fullness of God. Amen. Have a happy new year. God bless you.